disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. On today's special episode of the Disruption Zone, Congressman Thomas Massey stops by for a few minutes to give his side of the viral story of the confrontation between him and Representative Jamal Bowman from New York. Bowman had set up outside of the House of Representatives as his colleagues were leaving the House after voting. He set up and decided to shout at Republicans about gun control. He did this right in front of the media, knowing that it would attract the media's attention. Um, And in fact, it did. Congressman Thomas Massey decided to give him what he was supposedly asking for. Engage. Debate. And all Bowman could do when that happened, which he wasn't expecting, was try to shout Massey down. But Massey made some good points, and we explore them in this conversation. Also, knowing that many of you live in Kentucky, and I now live in Colorado, the conversation nationally is about keeping our kids safe in school. Like Kentucky, in Colorado, it's a district-by-district choice as to whether or not anybody in the uh, school is armed. Laura Carno is the executive director of a program called Faster Colorado, The reason I want to connect that conversation here with the Massey conversation is because any state in which you live right now could take some lessons from this incredible woman who is teaching teachers, administrators, school employees how to react to mass shooters, firearms training, safety, etc. It's a pretty powerful program, and it's the solution to the problem that we have in America. So we'll get into both of these conversations Uh, in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of the Disruption Zone is brought to you by our friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, not just a home remodeling, kitchen remodeling company. They're the place that when I lived in Louisville, I trusted to remodel my kitchen and my master bathroom. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. The craftsmanship, the hard work ethic, the honesty and integrity, and all the choices for affordable prices. LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Call my friend Tim Montgomery over there. Talk to their designers, 502-930-3304. That's 502-930-3304. If you have already got in mind what you want to do and you want to do it yourself and you just need the cabinets, they have so many styles to choose from, modern, shaker, traditional, country, whatever you need in all kinds of colors. Plus, they can do a custom cut for you for your granite or any other type of hard surface countertop and if you want a turnkey kitchen remodel boom they'll come in to help you design it get it all done the way you want it done i'm confident it's the reason or one of the reasons why my home sold in less than a day because of the beautiful work by louisville cabinets and countertops check them out louisville cabinets and countertops.com 6200 hit lane in louisville kentucky if you're in southern indiana central kentucky uh, Oldham County, this is your place. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. We're also brought to you by Bourbon City Golf Carts. Established in 2018, this is going to be your golf cart central. If you're thinking about bopping around the neighborhood in a cool golf cart or even taking your own cart to the, to the club or to the, uh, to the course, getting it done, listen, man, they've got so many great uh, carts in their inventory 
And it doesn't really matter what your budget is on this. They can get you taken care of from something that's slightly used to something that's brand new to something that's custom. Cool colors, cool wheels. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of when it comes to an awesome golf cart. So many people are buying these just to bop around their neighborhood in, hang out, you know, in those great summer nights to get the kids and just run around without actually having to get into the car. It's pretty awesome. So check out Bourbon City Golf Carts. They're at 502-718-0757. That's 502-718-0757. And you can find them at bourboncitygolfcarts.com. Proud to have them sport sponsoring the Disruption Zone. And now, for our guest and today's conversation. So, Congressman, when you you stopped to talk to Bowman, you were trying to ask him a little bit about what he was talking about because he was screaming at everybody that was walking around him and to members of the press. What was going on there? Well, we had just finished our seventh vote of a vote series, and everybody was going out the same door. And that's where the reporters try to catch members of Congress. If they've got a question for them, they'll ask you there. So there's like a couple dozen reporters. Well, I think Bowman just set up camp and started shouting. And he, what he hoped for was this image of us just scurrying by him using 434 other members of Congress as props right. for some video he was making. Well, I decided not to be a prop, and I decided to engage him in the debate. Uh, anybody who saw it, I think, would agree that he won the shouting match and I won the debate. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was really just shouting over you as you tried to engage oh. him, which showed me that it was nothing but a show. Right, and if... I don't know in the audio that you played uh, if your listeners could hear what I said, but I'll just summarize. He, he said Republicans don't have any solutions. They don't care, and they're cowards. And so I'm not a coward. I have a solution. I stopped. I asked him to co-sponsor my bill to end the Gun-Free School Zone Act. <laughs> I said he, he didn't seem interested in being a co-sponsor. And I said in every uh, school – that allows teachers or staff to be armed, there has never been a shooting of a student or a teacher, accidental, intentional, uh, or, or mass uh, murderer. It's never happened. So, and, it, and there are hundreds, probably thousands of schools that allow it in this country. Well, and to that point, we even know that the shooter in Nashville overlooked one school yes. because it had too much security. I don't know what type of security, but whatever they had actually, you know, they cased it, which tells you that's exactly how these cowards think is they want the easiest path to whatever infamy they're trying to get. And so the school that had a harder path, those kids are safe and alive today. Right. They're, they're psychopathic. Uh, they are cowards, but they're not stupid. Like they plan these things out and the worst thing that could happen in their minds is to get shot as soon as they come in the doors Yeah, and, um, and to, you know, lay there, uh, <laughs> like we saw the shooter, uh, dispatched at this school in Nashville, they would hate to not be able to rack up a, in, in their demented mind, a score. So they look for soft targets. Right. This by the way is not unique. We've seen this in other mass shootings at movie theaters. They find the ones these are in their manifestos uh, when they rele release them. Uh, if they ever release them, I think they need to release the manifesto of this individual. Right. Uh, so we can see how sick and demented they were and how they think. And I think it will give us more clues into the, the twisted mind 
insane but not stupid right uh that, that hunts soft targets yeah that's a good point we're talking with congressman thomas massey who engaged in this back and forth with representative jamal bowman from new york how long do you know how long your colleague there has been in congress yeah, well i just found out he's a socialist he's like a registered he's a member of the democratic socialist party he beat another democrat to get here Huh. Uh, I think he came in 2020. Okay. Uh, well, the reason and, I'm asking is because Congress had full control or Democrats had full control of Congress from 2021 to 2023. So yeah. the question I would have is while he shouts that you guys are cowards, um, it, the, 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 the rise in mass shootings is certainly not anything new. Um, it's been steadily rising over the last 20 years as America has continued to degrade moral truth and, and its moral compass. So why didn't the Democrats do something then? And I think we all know the answer is that it would have been politically detrimental to them. It's a lot less politically detrimental for them to shout at you, uh, and give clickbait to the media than it is to actually vote on something of, of substance. Yeah. And let's be clear. He just wanted to shout into the void, and he didn't want anybody to engage him. That right. was the clickbait he was hoping for. Right. I didn't. I didn't let him have it. I didn't <laughs> let him use myself or my colleagues as props as we walked by a video that uh, that ultimately did go viral, but not in the way that he had hoped. Yeah. Uh, look, the reason I, I think the reason I'm on Judiciary Committee here in Congress, and uh, I'm the co-chair of the Second Amendment Caucus with Lauren Boebert, they, all of their solutions that they passed and they, they're not solutions that right. they think they are, that they passed in the judiciary committee. We pointed out that none of them would work. And so, uh, they didn't bring a lot of them to the floor or they passed them on the floor and didn't pass them in the Senate. But that's actually lucky for them because they would have made people less safe, right. not more safe. And they kind of know that. I mean, everything they've done up until this point has been a failure. Yeah. So the solutions that you obviously are ending, want to get in gun free zones, that's on a federal level, right? That's trying to remove any kind right. of federal the, prohibition from yeah. people being armed in our schools. And let's let's be clear. That's that's the national default right now. Is right. Everything defaults to a gun free zone. Right. And in fact, there's a radius outside of the school where you can be in federal violation. So um, states can override that. But when they do, it still creates this weird space between the school and where the zone would have been. Right. Uh, and it's also it's sending the wrong message to, to maniacs that all of our schools are are disarmed repeal the default setting right the default setting right like in your operating system the default setting is gun free zone change the default setting and then still i would still let the states decide on yeah. this yeah for sure what else can we do is there anything else that you've thought about that we could do besides putting some hardening technology in yeah. our schools and stuff like that well let me tell you something that's not a panacea and we've and everybody knows this having one school resource officer in a uniform at the school is actually not that smart. It's not that great of a deterrent. We've seen it in, in schools where the shooter knows where that person is. They know right. who that person is. They find an alternate entry. Um, and then, or in Uvalde, uh, even if you have people who show up almost immediately or show up quickly, they're reluctant to get into the situation. Right. What you, what you need is the element of surprise. Right. Criminals hate 
they're they're using the element of surprise on their victims. When the victims have the element of surprise, they'll go. They'll either they either won't do the the crime or they'll go choose another target. Right. Or maybe the, most of these are suicide murders. They'll just suicide themselves if right. you don't give them the opportunity to to find soft targets like our children. Yeah. So I I I'm, all I'm saying is. A, one thing that is not a solution is a single individual at a school. Right. I think you need plainclothes, pr- preferably staff or teachers who are qualified. I had, I have somebody in my district who just texted me today. He said, I'm a desert storm veteran. I've, I've been for, it was over 10 years, a elementary teacher over 10 years on the administrative staff. And now he drives a bus and he's like, I would carry a firearm and yeah. protect the kids if they would let me. Yeah. The big misnomer is that we're, we're demanding that every teacher be handed a gun no. and shoot 10 rounds and now say, go protect your kids. And that's not, exi- that's not anywhere near what's being said. I'm sure at every school in America, there's at least one person that would like to uh, fight back on somewhat of a more equal footing. You mentioned surprise. I mean, evil has the, the, the the advantage evil has over good is that it it knows no restrictions. Good automatically lives within the restrictions it sets upon itself. So every every advantage you can give good against the creativity of evil, and by that I just mean that it it can right. it can devise any method because it doesn't have restrictions. That surprise element is about the best thing you can do to counter it. A gun free zone is is a restriction on good yeah it's a restriction on those who would do good and a sign does nothing in fact that's why 94 percent of mass public shootings happen in an area where people regular individuals are prohibited from carrying firearms and this was no different at this school we called the look by the way in tennessee private schools can opt to have security it uh I'm virtually certain this school did not. We we looked at their website. The law in Tennessee requires the school to publish publicly that they're not a gun-free zone and um, and to notify the local police department. So we've called the local police department. We scoured their website. They're not uh, huh. they're they're not a, one of the schools that has chosen to allow teachers and staff to carry. Yeah, and um, you know I you know the general population what. It varies in states how what percent have a concealed carry permit. Now we've got constitutional carry, so we're not quite sure. But as far as the people who, if you're at church or in a movie theater, the people who would be carrying, I'd say it's around 10% in the yeah. state yeah. Where, where you have laws that don't make it prohibitively expensive or, or yeah. impossible to get a permit. If you had 5% in a school, if one out of every 20 teachers – and, and administrators were armed, that would be enough. Yep. Not, not, not just to, I mean, the deterrent in fact is more important than the engagement, but yes. the engagement's important as well. If it ever comes to that. Yeah, for sure. Before I let you go, I know you got to run, but uh, I don't, I'm sure you've seen the new data that they're pushing out there saying that uh, guns now are the biggest killer of kids. I texted our mutual friend, John Lott last night, and he oh, immediately yeah. sent me back the rebuttal to that. Um, they're using a number that expands, children out to the age of 20 yeah which is I knew insane they included, yeah they included 19 year olds they, which and and they include gang shootings like right. between 19 year olds yeah. uh and they and so that's how they get to kids when they when they use that statistic and when you remove that it's a minuscule number as compared to automobiles or all those other things so using their own logic with the truth involved we'd have to ban cars 
So. This is right. <laughs> and, and swimming pools. Yeah. And, uh, five gallon buckets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Walmart, plastic Walmart bags. Yeah. Like. Those well, we're a, be- we're a step ahead of you in Colorado. They're banning plastic bags here anyway. So, Congressman, well, yeah, it's well, always great. My, my colleagues, yeah. my colleagues can't debate their their way out of a wet paper bag. So <laughs> Apparently not. They, they, just they may ban paper bags here in Congress. That's hilarious. Well, Congressman, thanks for fighting the good fight. Thanks for standing up and 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 again, not being a prop, but being a part of the conversation, even if the mainstream media doesn't want to pay attention to it. Thanks for having me on. Let me explain my side of that story. Awesome. Thanks, Congressman Thomas Massey. We appreciate uh, Congressman Massey coming on on such short notice. I, I want to turn my conversation now to Laura Carno. She is the head of an organization called Faster Colorado. Granted, uh, you may be in Kentucky and she is in Colorado, but the big discussion nationally right now is about safety in schools and arming someone in the administration staff, the teaching staff, the coaching staff, someone in the school. And Laura Carno is doing just that in Colorado. Like Colorado, Kentucky also can choose district by district. So there's information in here that you might find useful if you're concerned about your child's safety wherever you live in whatever state. So our conversation with Laura Carno. She is the head of FASTER Colorado. FASTER stands for Faculty Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response. And I love this program because the goal here is to make our kids safer by utilizing people who want to be on the front lines, um, the first first responders, if you will, and be armed well enough to actually take on the evil that might attack our schools. Laura Carno joins us now. Laura, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, let me start with this because there's a lot of, I think, myths around the idea of arming teachers. You know, everybody just sort of viscerally re- reacts to this on the left um, in particular, but a lot of people on both sides do react to this. They're like, guns in schools? No way, right? And yet uh, a mass shooter isn't going to say, oh, that's right, I probably shouldn't bring a gun into a school. In fact, that's what their goal is because they know that there's probably not going to be anybody to stop them. What are some of the myths around arming school staff? Yeah, you know, one of the the things that we always hear is that you can't force anybody to carry a gun on campus. And we know that. Nobody has ever suggested uh, in the history of these policies across the country that anybody force uh, any school employee to carry a firearm. It's just patently ridiculous. So I would say that that's the first big one. Um, and the other one we hear sort of related to that is that nobody wants to carry a firearm on, on campus. And that's also not true. Um, in the, the word teacher is used a lot, armed teachers. In fact, um, only 40% of the folks that we've had come through our faster classes are teachers. Um, the other 60% have some other job. So, you know, would would acceptance be different if somebody said, let's arm all of the principals or all arm some um, janitors or some coaches? Um, people have a little bit different feel about that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some people use the word teacher on purpose um, to make people think of you know the the teacher that they wouldn't want um, ever to carry a firearm right and, and I think that's a really good point because if we go back to the Parkland shooting um, in Florida there was actually a coach who didn't have any firearms that ran in and gave his life because he ran towards the shooting and if I remember correctly he was a military veteran certain jobs right. inside of the school system 
would lend themselves to probably being highly populated with military veterans who would be the first to say, hey, I'm good. Let me go do this. It might be a coach. It might be a a physical trainer. It, it, it might be a facilities person or an administrator. And they're perfectly willing and, and have some background in all of this. And, and that's fine. I mean, I don't think anybody is saying that it has to be the teacher. It could be somebody else in the school. Yeah, exactly. And if it's not the teacher... Um, meaning it's not somebody who is tied to a classroom with children under his or her uh, um, you know, tutelage at that moment. Um, these are people who are all over the campus. It's very interesting that so many of our schools that we've trained through faster, the janitor is part of the team, the mm-hmm. armed security team. And if you think about it, number one, they, they, there definitely could be a lot of folks that have some prior service um, before they came to work for a school. Um, but the other thing is, is these janitors are everywhere. They're inside the school, outside the school. They hear things. They're talking to everyone. Um, and it, it's a great it's a great position to have as part of your armed security team. They they aren't in the position um, of if God forbid something happened to say, um, okay, I've, I now have a class full of children. I need to get them into another teacher's classroom, or I need to decide to fortify here with them, or what have you. Right, These right. other positions are already out there. Um, let's also talk about we're talking with Laura Carno. She's the head of Faster Colorado. Um, let's talk about how it works in Colorado. Cause I think probably some people are even surprised that you can actually do this in Colorado. There isn't the state law against it. The, the, the state does allow for individual school boards to make this choice. Certainly in certain areas of the count of the of the state due to politics, they, they won't be making that decision anytime soon, but a lot of our rural counties have made that decision and are, are all on board with this. So how does it actually work in the state for this to happen legally? Yeah, and so let's start back with there is a a federal law saying, and this is thanks to Joe Biden when he was in um, the Senate, by the way, um, that says that um, K-12 campuses are gun-free zones. Many states, including Colorado, and I think it's inching up on almost 40 states now, have some legal process um, to say, okay, there there is a it's a gun-free zone, but with these exceptions. And Colorado is one of those states. And in state statute for the last 18 years, so it's been a while, uh, is a provision to say unless you, uh, it's a gun-free zone unless you are designated by your school board or your charter school board as a member of the security team. It doesn't okay. say school resource officers only. Um, it's it's not a loophole. It's not a trick. Um, this it. it, it has been used for um, almost all of those years by lots of rural school districts. So a school board or a charter board would, and there's some legal stuff they need to go through to pass resolutions and allow for that policy. And then schools create policies. They create a policy for how they're going to vet uh, who the folks are that are going to be on the ARM team. Um, their p- policies and procedures regarding training and how often they're going to train. Um, all of that stuff um, and it, we've got, you know, we're working with schools in 41 of Colorado school districts. Wow. And I'll tell you, after Nashville, I'm going to say that I've talked to maybe 18 or so more um, wow. school districts in Colorado. So it's, you know, people are terrified of yeah. their children being, being harmed. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen from Uvalde that it can happen anywhere. It can happen rural or it can happen in a city. It doesn't really matter. Um, maybe this is a bit of myth busting, too, but... In Colorado, they they need to go through this faster program. Talk about what that 
is? Like, what does that actually look like? So we're not just there's not people just handing guns to teachers and saying, go for it, guys. Um, it's it's bigger than that. And there's a lot more that they go through. So what does the faster program look like in terms of training? Yeah. And, and so their insurance company, if you're going to have an armed security team, the school district's insurance company says, OK, you're going to have to pay us a little you know, rider for each person and you have to go get training. So the insurance company actually lays out, here's the type of training you need to do annually. So faster um, exceeds what the insurance companies say you need to have uh, if you're going to have armed staff for your annual training. Um, some folks say, well, you need to have more than just annual training. Yeah, we know that. Uh, right. Part of what school boards do is they say you got to go get your annual training, which um, ends with a, passing a test that is the same test law enforcement passes to get out of the academy, that same um, qualification in handgun proficiency. Um, so so they've, they've got to do that. But the school boards also typically say something like, and you need to do this kind of training monthly and quarterly you need to have local law enforcement come in and run drills in the school or what have you. So um, these folks are actually getting a lot more firearms training than your average member of law enforcement um, who um, only have to train or only have to qualify once or twice a year and get almost no additional firearms training unless they're in a specialized uh, unit like SWAT. Mm -hmm. So, and they, they retest every year, you say, and requalify yeah. every year? Okay. Yep, they have to requalify every year. So we have um, faster level one is going from not caring to caring. And right. we, we call it level one, but it's not a beginner course. They, they have to have some prerequisites to even get in that. And then the subsequent levels, and we're, um, we're now up to level four, um, they do their requalification, but then we're able to... Uh, bring them uh, more advanced skills with every level. And since mm. our instructors are all active duty law enforcement instructors and SWAT instructors, there is no end to the drills uh, that, that they're able to bring to these faster participants. So it's a, yeah. a very high level of training, and it's the same stuff cops uh, learn in order to stop an active killer. Yeah, I've got a friend that's one of those instructors, and it's it, I've watched it take place, and it's, it's really amazing. Um, and it's not just about guns. It's about... Um, controlling the situation, having a plan, being ready to move, um, how you're going to move, what, who's going to do what. Um, it's a very coordinated training process, and it's. I don't think people realize how much safer this would make their kids in a lot of cases. I mean, if honestly, I wish that some of the people that are against it would just watch one of your programs. Right, right. And if you look at what happened in Nashville, um, the, the police, when they got there, responded quickly and stopped the killer. That's wonderful. But it took 14 minutes mm. um, for them to arrive. And um, that's not okay. And the, the, the families that lost those six three children and three faculty members, they lost somebody because it took 14 minutes for law enforcement even to right. get there. And right. could they have been saved if somebody had been armed and well-trained to stop that killer. And, yeah. you know, the the headmaster, I think that was her title, the head of yeah, school. Yeah, Ms. Koontz, yeah. She, she died protecting children with her body. Mm -hmm. And how, how long are we going to keep um, expecting these school employees to run toward gunfire and be a bullet sponge to try and save children? That That's not okay. They should yeah. have the option, at least, to say, I want to save children and live. Um, and... They, they can't save children if, if they aren't alive themselves to, to help stop the killer.
Yeah, that, I, I love the way you put that. We're talking with Laura Carno. She's the head of Faster Colorado, program that trains emergency response for teachers and staff members, administrators, anyone that wants to come forward, pass these backgrounds. And what do we do on background checks for this, too? Is it is it is something that's even a, a more intensive level than, say, just going to the, the gun store and buying a gun? Is it the same background check? What What happens there? Yeah, so um, that's a good question because that's the, that happens at the school. So there are okay. all kinds of different vetting programs um, out there, you know, including a psychological evaluation, different sorts of um, of panel interviews, all different kind of stuff. Consider that, you know, first of all, they've passed a background check a. Um, when they got their concealed carry permit, they have yeah. passed background checks to even be with children in the in the school in the schoolroom in the classroom on on campus. So they've they've already passed a, a couple of things, um, and then they go through whatever vetting process the the school decides to go to go to. And then because our instructors are all folks that um, you know they're they're training cops in in various in various ways. Um, they also have an ear out and an eye out for, you know, are, are we seeing anything here that has, right. there's an attitude that causes us any concern? Right. Um, I've, over the last seven years, um, since we've been doing this, we've had two situations where I have called a superintendent after class, after consulting with the instructors and, and said, you know, here are the concerns that we had with this individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are lots of different places for that um, feedback loop. Um, but the, the school board has a lot of control over how they want to vet those people. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, before I let you go, if people are listening and they live in a school district that doesn't have this program, how can they get it implemented? And I, I, I know I sort of know the answer, but I'd like to hear it from from you. It's all about the school board. So um, parents, you want to show up to your school board meetings um, with, you know, 50 of your closest friends <laughs> and use your three minute um, uh, public comment period to Ask them what is, what are you going to do to protect my my child if something mm. happens like this? Um, we want everything on the table, including arming school employees. Um, the school board need needs to be um, needs to be the one to pass that. And then any school board that wants me to come out and provide um, you know expert uh, uh, information to help them understand this, we work with um, superintendents who have these programs in their schools. Um, we have our law enforcement instructors. We can bring you a program to provide information to the board yeah. or to the community. Awesome. I love it. Uh, you can find your website on the I2I, uh, the independenceinstitute.org, I2I.org uh, website as well. Laura, will you come on again? Absolutely. Anytime, Leland. Thanks okay. so much. Yeah, we love this program. You have a supporter here, and we want to see more of it. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. All right. Laura Carno, again, FASTER Colorado. It stands for Faculty Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response. That's the answer, folks. That is the answer to step one. We have a few other steps we need to take as well. Today's amazing episode was brought to you by Bourbon City Golf Carts. Check them out at bourboncitygolfcarts.com, Louisville's one-stop destination, and Southern Indiana, by the way. One-stop destination for awesome golf carts from slightly used to brand new, from regular to custom-built to awesome wheels and beautiful colors. These are your new convenient way to get around your neighborhood. You can talk to the folks at Bourbon City Golf Carts today by calling 502-718-0757. But I encourage you to check out their website at bourboncitygolfcarts.com because you can see their inventory all right there. Services that they offer, you can even rent them. Hey, you want to rent one for a special upcoming golf outing and see how you like it and then go and buy one and all their inventory again is available for you online 
online at bourboncitygolfcarts.com. So check them out. And again, we are super excited to have Bourbon City Golf Carts as a sponsor of the Disruption Zone. They're at 502-718-0757. We're also excited to be sponsored by Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. My friend Tim Montgomery at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops did our kitchen and our master bathroom in our house in Odom County, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Such awesome work, such craftsmanship, such work ethic, and great prices, and from start to finish, if you want a, a designer to just take it over and do it all for you, or you consult and they do all the work, or if you're doing it yourself, they've got those options too. Any kind of cabinet you're looking for, style, they've got it mostly in stock. They don't have any problems with supply chain crisis. They're there for you, and they can get that done. Plus, if you want a custom cut of any type of solid stone, they've got that for you as well. Go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, 502-930-3304, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. At 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, if you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, this is your place for the kitchen remodel. Thanks, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. And thank you for listening to the Disruption Zone. You can follow us on Instagram. It's at GreatlyLondo. And on Twitter, it's at Leland Show. You can also download us for free and subscribe for free from iHeartRadio's podcast. Just search podcast for Leland Conway or Disruption Zone. But it'll come right up. You can also download us for free and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts and Google Play. It's pretty awesome. Super easy to get fresh new episodes sent right to your pocket. Big thanks to um, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky for all the work they do with the audio side of this program. If you're looking for some help with audio digitizing old videotapes or you got a major Hollywood type project, dxaudio.com, Dynamics Audio Productions, and Neil Kesterson and his crew can get it done for you. And thank you again so much for listening to the Disruption Zone. Over 100,000 downloads and counting. I am Leland Conway. This is the Disruption Zone.